Another very, very, very nice day that we have here in the state of Maine, and uh, can't think of a better way than spending it together with you and Jesus together, and uh, to grow together, to uh, learn what it means to walk with Jesus better, and uh, so I'm just delighted to be able to spend the morning with you. We're in the book of Ephesians. We are in the... uh, Sixth chapter, uh, home stretch. It's just something to think about all the varieties of books of the Bible we have studied and what those books have taught us about uh, following after Christ and uh, growing in Christ and making disciples for Christ and all of those things. So I just, uh, wow just thinking back over the last few years and all that we have done. Uh, go back, and if you're new to us and just checking us out, go back into our YouTube channel, Veracity Chapel YouTube channel, and check out the couple years of studies that are there. Uh, I don't know how many episodes, probably 
I'm going to guess probably 500 episodes uh, of teaching through a variety of books of the Bible and sometimes hitting on a variety of topics uh, for your edification, for your strengthening uh, in your life as you seek to follow after Christ. Uh, yesterday, we talked about parent-child relationships. Today, we're talking about uh, with God at work. And, you know, sometimes we look at work and think, what a curse. I've got to go to work. And and yet, if you go back to Genesis, the third chapter prior to the fall, work was a gift. In, in fact, throughout the Bible, we can we can see places where where work is viewed as a gift. There's the calling to our work. There's there, there's the career in our work. But then also to to have our attitude shifted to find joy in going to work. I I I do. I I largely love what I do. And um, I, I love coming to this office every morning, and I love doing this broadcast, and I love teaching the scriptures, and I love meeting with pastors, and I love um, sitting with people who are going through some grief, and I, I, I love all those things. I, I love helping to stir and stimulate uh, gospel growth in the state of Maine. I, I love what I do, and... Uh, you know, God wants us all to love what we do. And you think, well, yeah, it's easy for you. Well, no, it's it's not exactly easy, folks. And I mean, there are lots of challenges. Everybody has opinions about what they think ought to be. And, and you know, some people are happy about this, not happy about that. And th- those types of things are just a reality. And that, that, that's at church, that's at work, that's that's in any civic organization you might be part of. If you're part of a sports team, anything like that. We all have opinions, and you know, so opinions have their influence and impact on on ministry as well. But for you to think of your work in the sense of, of God calling you to work, and I would say maybe some people end up in the wrong place and maybe need to find a different career or different type of work, or sometimes we get older and our bodies can't do the type of work that we once did. And so we um, we maybe need to find a different different type of work, something that our bodies can handle. I was talking to somebody last week, met with somebody, and just was talking about their work, always looking up and lifting up mufflers and transmissions and axles and car parts and things like that. And it just comes a point in time you can't do that type of thing uh, any longer. But whatever your work, if you are still working to be able today to say, God, thank you for my work. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my income. Thank you for the things uh, that uh, that you've given me the prerogative to do. And if you're in a place where you absolutely despise your job, can I just suggest get a different one? Uh, there are jobs out there, all kinds of jobs uh, out there. Every place you turn that you see a sign, we're hiring. So find something different. Do something different. Uh, think about your your skills, think about your abilities, think about the things that you would enjoy, uh, and maybe maybe go try your hand at those things. That would be my suggestion to you as you think about work. Now, let's get into the passage, Ephesians chapter 6, picking up at verse 5. This is going to be in the language of, of slaves and masters uh, because that was what was that was what work was like largely in the days in which Paul lived. Not not entirely. I mean, you did have business owners and you did have people who 
um, you know, perform their own functions and, and, and um, found ways to make money or make exchange or, or buy and sell and those types of things. It wasn't all slaves and masters, but largely in that day it was. And, you know, some people in our day might want to cancel this language that's in the scripture, uh, but it, it, it is a historical reality that we need to just acknowledge that uh, in Rome, in those days, this this was a reality. So it says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them, not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly. As if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Again, the language here is the language uh, of, of the day. I mean, this was largely a reality in Paul's day, and, and uh, we do not want to cancel the historical uh, truths that, that are, are here. Now, we might say, but we don't have the slave-master relationship. This has no import to us today because we don't live uh, largely in, in this type of society where there are slaves and masters. No, so we, we turn it a little bit. We find an implication, we find an application for us in the workplace, in the marketplace. Employer, employees, obey your employers with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like employees of Christ or slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for every good he does, whether he is an employer or an employee. And employers, treat your employees in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he is both your master, uh, their master, and yours in heaven. There is no favoritism with him. So, so we can see this this application. We can see this implication coming uh, to bear uh, in the workplace with what we do. I kind of started the morning talking about the gift of work uh, and, and the joy of work. You go back in the book of Ecclesiastes and and it talks about let a man do his work. In fact, let me let me take us back there and see if I can find the the passages that speak about the work. Yeah, let me take us to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I mean, there is the time for everything. You see the heading there. But then the God-given task, picking up in verse 9, what does the worker gain from his toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. They cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. You know, I'm going to stop right there. This, this phrase, he has set eternity in the hearts of men. I want to stop and pray with you right now. 
for people that don't know Christ. Lord, I, I just want to stop. It says here, you set eternity in the hearts of men. And so we come before you thinking of people, I think of a conversation I had with someone just yesterday, that you are trying to draw them. You are trying to get their attention. They are trying to run from you. And Lord, it is my prayer that you draw them, that you you put just the exact right people in their path that would help them deal with eternity in their hearts and get re, re-situated, uh, reconstituted in their relationship with you. Lord, all of us have friends and family members that do not know Christ, and it's our prayer for them that this eternity that you set in their heart, this vacuum that is in their heart, that you would cause them to, to come to faith in Christ, that you would cause them that your love, that your pursuit, that your graciousness, that your mercy uh, upon them would be inescapable uh, and that we would see the hearts of our family members, the hearts of our friends, the hearts of our neighbors turn toward Christ. Lord, I, I, I pray especially for this one particular individual with whom I had conversation yesterday, that you would draw this person to yourself, cause them to talk to the people that would that uh, would in fact help them realize that they just need to come back to Christ in in this person's instance and Lord for family and friends that uh, have all the reasons that they think that they don't want to uh, turn to you Lord may the evidence be overwhelming may their encounter with you be uh, totally. Uh, humbling so that they would fall upon their face upon before you and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, that is our prayer today. Just thinking of this verse here uh, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, that you set, the, you set eternity in the hearts of men and so that yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And Lord, how true that is of you that you have, we can't fathom what you've done, Lord. So, friends, I mean, for us to think about the greatness of God, some people want to, uh, some people want to be able to completely explain God, and I won't turn to God unless I completely can completely understand Him. Friends, that's an awfully small God because your mind is not that large. My mind is not that large. The minds of all the greatest thinkers of all time are not large enough to comprehend God and His ways from beginning to end. And to me, that is one more reason why I want to follow him. Now, back to the work aspect of this, what it says in verse 12, I know there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live. Just this idea of um, doing good, uh, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in his toil. This is the gift of God. See, the, the gift of God to find satisfaction in your work. And, and maybe you struggle with this. Uh, maybe this is a difficulty for you because, uh, because you, uh, you find all the things to complain about your work. And we listen to all the chatter around us of what people are saying and, and, and about work and how they, and we listen to the comedians talk about work and we always living for the weekends and, Monday's coming, we dread Mondays, we love Fridays, blah, 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 applying that Steveism. And um, when the reality is, 
that, that God wants us to find satisfaction in our toil, according to Ecclesiastes 3.13, uh, and, and to realize that our work is a gift of God. Um, I, I, I deal with some of you uh, in, in your work. Uh, I see you in your work. I encounter you in your work, and you uh, are an absolute delight in your work. Uh, I, I've observed people who've worked out of the church building here some during COVID just because they needed decent internet. And to see you, your stick to in your work, that creates joy for me. Uh, some of you are just so good. Uh, there are some of you that, uh, like me, uh, and, and some people will chide us for this. You know, I, I'm looking at emails and answering emails at sometimes three o'clock in the morning because I'm awake and looking at email or or some of you I'm I receive emails from some of you at midnight uh, because you just you love what you do friends I can I encourage you to, to love what you do and again if you don't love what you do maybe you find something else to do but but if Ecclesiastes 313 I I know that there is nothing uh I'm sorry I started quoting verse 12, verse 13. In fact, let me start at verse 12. I know there's nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in his toil. This is the gift of God. Verse 14, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taking from it. God does it so that men will revere him. Whatever is has already been and what will be has been before, and God will call the past to account. We could get into what all that means. Basically, there is nothing new under the sun. Uh, we, we do face um, what we face, others have faced, and, and that is just simply a reality for us to, to understand. Um, Ecclesiastes 3.13 the verse for you to think about as you think about work and to think about work being the gift of God. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3.22 says this, So I saw there is nothing better for a man than to enjoy his work because that is his lot for who can bring him to see what will happen after him. I mean, so just, just to enjoy your work. Enjoy it. Eat, drink. Enjoy your work. Enjoy the things that you do. Um, there's nothing better. So for us to to uh, be changed in in our perspective on work, to seeing work as a gift, to seeing work as a good thing, uh, to enjoy our work. Um, you know, uh, the idea of retirement really is a, a rather modern concept. And and I, I mean I don't don't get me wrong I'm not holding retirement against anybody, uh, but it used to be you just worked until you died, uh, and um, because you had to you had to put food on the table there wasn't there wasn't investment investment accounts and all those things yes maybe you could store up wealth for old age but but really it is a, it really a twentieth century. Uh, type of concept this this idea of retirement for so for those of us who will work until we die just to enjoy it uh if you were a part of that great generation i mean there was the greatest generation then there's the next generation the 
the, the boomer generation that lived in really the heyday of uh, modernity and, and lived in the heyday where you hit everything right in terms of retirement accounts and pensions and investments and all of those things and can retire. Some of you were encouraged to retire with, with phenomenal uh, retirement packages at age 55, as an example. Uh, you know, we, we rejoice with you. For those of us that are younger thinking, when do we get our turn, friends, can I just suggest that those days are past? Uh, you might you might fall into that in some way, but retirement accounts and all those things aren't what they were for the boomer generation. And so we're many of us uh, will will live working, at least some, uh, and, until uh, until we go on to be with the Lord, and and some of us who are in these ages are are saying, well, when do I get to retire? I don't see it for me. Can I just suggest to you to take Ecclesiastes 3.13 and 3.22 uh, into heart uh, and, and to understand what was said. Verse 22, I saw there's nothing better for man than to enjoy his work because that is his lot, to enjoy what we do, to, to think of work differently as as a gift from God. Well, I see that there are some comments over in the uh, peanut gallery over in the comments. I just want to see. Taking God to work with you. Years ago, one of many cleaning jobs, which I enjoyed, I would hum or softly sing, and one of the workers with disgust asked me one day, uh, why could why I could always be happy. I was able to tell her because I had found Jesus. I have not seen her for many years, but I still lift her in prayer. And that's that's how we need to be living, lifting others in prayer in that type of a way um, and, and being that witness for Jesus. I mean, there are people who will uh, who need our witness at work. We, we need to be a witness in the marketplace, marketplace being shorthand maybe longhand for work. I guess that's the longhand for work. But but when we're in the marketplace, when we're in the workplace, that being able to be that witness for Christ in that kind of way. Well, let me take us back to the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter. We're down at verses 5 through 9 and uh, continue to see what this says. I will put this in the message paraphrase. For us, because uh, it it always illustrates for us and gives us some highlights that help us understand. Servants, respectfully obey your earthly masters, but always with an eye to obeying the real master, Christ. I mean, Christ is your master at work. You ultimately you are living for the service of Christ. You're living for the glory of Christ. You are living for for the fame of Christ. That is who you are living for. That is who. I am living for. So always with an eye to obeying the real master Christ. Don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servants doing what God wants you to do. And work with a smile on your face, always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you're really serving God. Good work will get you good pay from the master, regardless of whether you are a slave or free. Masters, it's the same with you. No abuse, please. No threats. 
You and your servants are both under the same master in heaven. He makes no distinction between you and them. None. So it speaks to both the worker, the servant, the employee, and to the owner, the master, the employer. Both are uh, drawn into this passage. Both are directed in this passage. Uh, going to work, think I'm going to work for God today. Um, if you're an employer thinking, am I treating my employees as, as Christ would want me to treat my employees? Uh, am, am I living Christ before them? Am I praying for them? Am I showing interest in their, in their, in their best, in their good, in their well-being, in their welfare? Uh, yes, you have a business to run, but can I just suggest to you, employer, that if you take good care of your employees, your business will go better, and God will be glorified. Uh, sadly, sometimes I, I've talked to people who work for uh, employers who wear the name Christian, uh, but when you ask the employees, well, how is it to work for so-and-so? Well, you know, they they come and they kind of get disgusted and they yell at us and they swear and they, it's not what I thought I would get working for a Christian uh, employer. So if, if that is you, if you are that Christian employer to think about how do you represent Christ to your employees? Uh, th- there's a, a great book that t- talks about employers uh, and how they treated their employees that I want to highly commend to you and, and it would give you a sense of how you ought to be as a Christian employer. You're going to be uh, uh, perhaps surprised at the title of the book I'm about to su- suggest to you, but the title of the book is The Search for God and Guinness. Yes, Guinness, as in the beer, Guinness. Uh, it has a yellow cover, at least that my copy does, and it is an absolutely incredible, incredible book talking about how the Guinness family cared for the people of Ireland through their business. I mean, the water was bad. People were sick. But yet when the water was purified and made into beer, um, it it, it helped people uh, with health issues because they weren't drinking bad water, but also provided uh, livelihood and uh, housing and all kinds of things for their employees. It, It is an absolutely fantastic read. I highly commend it to you. Uh, the Search for God in Guinness. Good book if you are a business owner wanting to think about, hmm, how how did that company, yes, a beer company, I know I'm talking about this, uh, how how did they treat their employees? They, they did it before Google did it. They did it before, you know, any of the, the, the Silicon Valley, you know, businesses did it, before the Amazons did it. They took really, really, really good care of, in fact, they maybe were the precursor, the, the forerunner of how to take care of employees. So if you are the employer, I just want to encourage you to think through how you treat those who work for you. Both of us, the employer, the employee going off to work today to say, I'm going off to work for God today. Uh, I am working for God as the boss. I am working for God as the worker. I am working for God, and and that should impact how we do our jobs. That should uh, impact us in terms of 
uh, in terms of how good we do our jobs. Don't just slap it together. Think about, you know, I'm doing this for Christ. You know, sometimes we just kind of, we'll kind of slap it together, but then stop and think I'm doing it for Christ. Now, now I am not necessarily wired as a high detail type of person. Okay. I just want you to know that. And I know other people sometimes overstrain at over detail and there, I know somewhere and there's the balance. I've known people that are so, so highly detailed that their bosses become irritated because they slow the production down because they are over detail oriented and, and, you know, if that is you, then maybe you need to find a place of quality control or something like that uh, or, or a place where, where that's exactly how you have to work because there is a production factor that, that factors into play in the workplace. And while your boss wants you to do outstanding work, he also wants you to produce in a timely fashion. Uh, and, and I have seen situations where there have been employees who are so Almost, almost the paralysis of analysis takes place. Uh, they're, they're so detailed about it. It has to be so absolutely perfect. And the boss is like, that's within the standard. Uh, that, that's all you need. It, that, that The way that you're, you're making that, you, you, you don't have to go as far because we have to get the product out here, folks, to learn how to work. But the, the bigger thing I want us to go away with, from today, and I think that is true of this passage for us, is to go away with the thought of, of the fact that God has given us our work. We are given work to glorify God. We, 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 we can find and should try to find joy in our work. We need to be reminded that as we go to work, we're working with God, we're working for God, we represent God, whether you're the, whether you're the employer, employee or the employer, we work for God. So I encourage you with whatever your work is today, to take that to heart. Now, I know that these broadcasts have gotten kind of shorter, uh, uh, just kind of experimenting with us a little bit and uh, uh, wanting to to make good on your day and uh, as well try to instruct other listeners who listen later in the day, which, by the way, the bulk of listeners are at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, according to the statistics that I have read in terms of when people watch these things. Um, so those of us that get the morning start, we get the best of it, and others will listen in later on. I want to encourage us, and I need to make this a part of, of every broadcast, for you to take out of this and maybe write down for yourself a thought, what does this mean to me today? And a second thought, what would I take from this today and give to somebody else? I mean, that is the discipleship factor here. That, that it isn't just that we take it in for us, but discipleship also means we're pouring it out for someone else. So each day to ask yourself, okay, what is my personal takeaway from this? And what from this could I maybe share with somebody else? Maybe you make a Facebook post about it. Maybe you do a little TikTok about it. Maybe you do an Instagram about it. Maybe you just talk to, to somebody about it and uh, there's all kinds of ways to do this because it isn't just for for your personal edification or my personal edification, but the truth of, that God is giving to us is for us as well to share with other people, and I encourage us to do that. So we have done this little section, Ephesians 5, chapter 6, verses 5 through 9 today, and uh, I want to encourage our application. I want, to, I want you to be encouraged with the thought that you're not just working for your boss, 
you're working for Christ. Uh, and even if you are the boss, to think that you that you yourself have a boss and his name is Jesus, and that you would say, Jesus, what do you want with me and my company today? Lord, help us today to enjoy our labor. Help us to enjoy our uh, our work. Lord, I, I do come before you and uh, pray about some of the uh, some of the needs that are here. Some need silent prayer. Some need provision. Some need a new job. Uh, some need physical healing. Some have deep burdens for family members. Some are maybe going through the lingering effects of COVID that has made its rounds again among uh, numerous people. Uh, Lord, others maybe are discouraged. Uh, others are fighting with within their own minds. Lord, I pray that you will help us to look to you and that you would help us to have eyes that are open to see how you would answer, to see how you would work. Lord, may we each encounter you at work in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in our circumstances today. We trust in you. We entrust our situations. We entrust our problems. We entrust our decisions all to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, that's a wrap for today. I'm going to let you get into your day. Again, I encourage you to think through what can you take away from this today that maybe you would share with somebody else? Have a great day, everybody. I will see you again tomorrow.